It is not hard to look around the world today and see a lack of love. The problem is, is that we see that same lack of love coming from people who call themselves Christians. Something has to change. I believe that something is that we need to learn to love. What if we could begin to see each person's unsurpassable worth? What if we actually started to look like and love like Jesus? When we begin to see everyone the way that Jesus does, we won't be able to do anything else but love. It's time for most of us to unlearn and unknow the God we inherited and have been taught and begin to encounter the God that is revealed in Jesus and become immersed in His love so we can love the way that He loves. Come on this journey with us and let's learn to love. All right, guys, what you're about to hear is my interview with Alicia and Catherine. Uh, I'm super excited to release this interview. Uh, I had just a great conversation with them. It was a really long conversation uh, for this uh, interview. It's about an hour long. I thought about splitting it up into two parts, uh, but there just wasn't really a good part to kind of cut that would be close to the middle. So, uh, so this is going to be a longer episode, but I hope you'll stick around there where some really uh, great insights that I was able to learn. Um, you'll hear Catherine talk about the difference in uh, tolerance versus acceptance and how acceptance doesn't mean you have to agree with them, uh, but how we can slip into not just accepting, but tolerance. And that uh, has helped me rethink in a lot of things of, okay, am I tolerating people or am I actually accepting them for who they are to just love on them? Uh, and I think Catherine and Alicia really have a great perspective because they work with uh, children that are in the foster care system. They work with uh, people when it comes to mental health. Uh, so you've got kids that have been rejected and you've got people struggling with mental health issues. So I feel like they really provide a good insight into uh, how Christians can love on the LGBT community um, from that place of acceptance and mental health and how our words can be damaging. So I hope uh, that you'll tune in and you'll listen and uh, you'll find some nuggets in there that will help you connect better and to love people more. Uh, so come on in this journey with us and uh, let's learn to love. All right. Well, we'll, we'll jump in and you guys, you know, just take it in any direction that you want. Uh, okay. I'm definitely more here to just listen and, hear your story than I am to try to talk and input. Like I'm not going to counter and rebuttal everything you say oh, yeah, or, yeah. or even, or even offer my own opinion on what you say. Uh, okay. I'd rather just hear you talk. Well, you've opened that door. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, so my name is Catherine Denham and this is my wife, Alicia, Alicia. Denham. And uh, I'll introduce me and let her introduce her. I'm notorious for introducing us both, but um, I'm a mental health therapist by trade and um, a mommy and a wife by choice and honor. Um, and I identify as a gay Mormon, but also Christian as well. Okay, so I'm going to say the same, literally, all of those things are the same. It's all therapist, mommy by choice. What was the other thing? Wife by choice. Wife by choice. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I identify as a gay Christian. Yeah. Also, Alicia is an artist by also trade. So she's a mental health therapist and an artist. Yep. That's awesome. So you kind of mentioned it there a little bit, but tell me maybe where are you at on your faith journey? Like, like you say you're Mormon, Christian, you say you're Christian. Is that mm -hmm. something that's kind of just uh, something that you still like how you grew up or something you're still actively involved in, you're practicing, just where are you at on your faith journey? So being Mormon is um, a very unique identity and um, it's just kind of part of my DNA. There is nothing that can I, so I still very much identify as um, a member of the church, member of the LDS church. I, practice it in my very own way um, of being Mormon. I do not attend a physical church um, because I don't 
want, I'm very close to possibly attending one back at my home state with where I know that my friends are going to feel a little bit more emotionally safe, but we, I haven't stepped foot in a church in like eight years. Um, and so I still very much claim that Mormon identity, believe very much in um, the gospel principles and the doctrine, my whole world, like my friends, circle my family circle is very much tied up in the Mormon identity and the Mormon religion and where I'm at is I am at peace with God at peace with where how I practice being a Mormon how I represent myself being Mormon um, which is just not the way that most Mormons do Um, I don't follow all of the you know expected rituals and traditions because I just kind of practice it in a way that makes me feel safe and makes me feel at one and congruent with God. So very much still super strong faith, super strong testimony, super in, well, I would even say I'm closer to God now, um, especially after being married to Alicia, who was raised in a different religion, but still very like structured and strong and, you know, lots of um, boundaries with it or like not boundaries, but like lots of expectations and her understanding of her relationship with God has really helped me for my very own personal relationship with God. So I feel like right now I am kind of doing my faith in a way that makes me feel at, um, at peace and complete. I do wish I had a church family to belong to though. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just going to kind of pick up from there. So it, we have looked and searched and it's hard for us to find a, a church family that accepts us as a married couple. And, you know, and we have, we have children, so also having them with us at church, you know, is obviously important. And so it, there's just not anywhere that we have found that we have felt comfortable, you know, to go. And that really stinks. But it's um, God is a woven into our marriage, into our relationships individually. Um, it is absolutely foundation that we have built our relationship on. Um, I grew up in the Assembly of God Church, so I come from a, a long line of Assembly of God ministers. Um, and then whenever I was probably about 16 or so, I switched over and started going to a non-denominational church. Um, and I, I even spent a year um, preparing to be a, a pastor. And, you know, it was during that time frame that I kind of, got my footing and started to realize like who I was and you know, who I am is not someone that as a whole, the church is going to accept. And so I kind of started then to back away. And it's probably been maybe 15, 15, 18 years since I've actually physically been in a church. Um, yeah. So as far as where I am individually with, with my walk with God, it has definitely become one that is just a personal relationship and, you know, kind of being on this path where I find peace and comfort in my relationship with him because being part of a church family has not been an option for me individually um, in a very long time. And then obviously for us as a family. So. Yeah. that's And that's really sad. And I hate like I can imagine. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine because I I'm a, I am a white male, so it's like I've I really have all all of the benefits uh, in America. <laughs> but I can imagine that has to be how uh, back in the '60s, maybe how you know the African American community felt like they weren't welcome in predominantly yeah. white mm-hmm. churches, and they just kind of had to form their own. Thing. It's like I, I've made the joke for years that Sunday's the most segregated day of the week yeah. uh, because churches are still just so segregated by color. Um, so, you know, most of the time I think people, you know, and it may be from I'm not I'm not ever been to a, a Mormon 
service, so I don't know maybe what's done from the stage or pulpit there. Uh, I've been to lots of Assemblies of God, and I know maybe it's not as prevalent maybe as some other denominations, like maybe a Baptist church, but um, it seems like, you know, most pastors or Christians can just be heard shouting that, you know, homosexuality is a sin uh, mm-hmm. with no thought to just the specific person that may be like, yeah. just the, how that may impact them and how they may be hurting and they just don't even consider their story. So uh, I would love to hear a little bit of you guys' story as it relates to maybe what you faced specifically or felt on the inside, but how you were treated differently um, by Christians and by just the church in general. So it's hard because whenever we talk about homosexuality from the pulpit, we are not talking about homosexuality as a relationship and being in relationship with, with each other. You know, what we're talking about is a sexual sin, you know? And so it, it's hard for me because whenever we are talking about, you know, gay is wrong, gay, gay is a sin. We, I mean, it just feels like so often Christians are viewing it as that one thing, right? So it's like, we're talking about a sexual sin. We're not talking about someone who is gay or someone who is in a marriage or in a relationship with someone else. And it's, I, I really wish that people would see us as just humans, like, you know, and not as a sexual sin. And so that is like, that is the hardest part of, of going to a part of the church family and being gay, because that's all you are, is you're identified as sexual sin. So you're kind of sitting there like, there's so much more to this than just, you know, why you are preaching it from the pulpit as it's wrong, you know? And I think that that is something that I have found whether I've been in a non-denominational church, whether I've been in an assembly God or a Baptist church or a Catholic church, it's like these are these are the ideas that people have as to why it's wrong. They don't see you as a human; they see you as a sexual, you mm-hmm. know, sin. So yeah. we've heard about that. About yeah. the Mormon church is very similar, mm-hmm. you know. So well, in, the Mormon church has a little bit of some language differentiation um you will hear mormon leaders lds leaders say that being gay is not a sin that if you as a person identify as gay lesbian whatever that is not a sin it is acting upon those thoughts and feelings that is a sin which makes it a little bit more trivial um because we then now have a segment of the lds population who are saying, I'm gay, and I'm an active member of the church, and I've married my, you know, straight partner or spouse in the temple, which is like the highest kind of, you know, achievement here is is marrying and being married and sealed in the temple, you know, so that you have that relationship for eternity. So we do have a segment of the Mormon population that is openly gay, but either celibate or in a straight marriage and still claims their gayness and very much active members of the church. Um, Which I don't know about other religions if they have that little nuance in there, but that even makes it more in line with what Alicia is saying is that, again, all you've really done is seriously drill down that gay is nothing more than sex between two same-sex people like more more than any other church the lds church has done that so um and it makes it very tricky because you then think you're kind of being accepted but you just have to leave this one thing at the door and i my journey my lgbt journey is very different than alicia's um And I don't know if this is because I was raised in a very small town. I was raised in a town that was primarily LDS. And so therefore you just already knew what was expected and the path you were going to take. Um, Or if God just put Alicia in my life at the time that he did, I, I don't know, but I did not grow up 
thinking or identifying as gay. Um, I can say that there were times in the straight relationships that I was in that it, it just felt, um, well, now that I'm in a relationship with Alicia, I can tell you that those relationships didn't feel complete. But I didn't know that at the time because I didn't have, it's not like people are having these really in-depth, intimate conversations about their marriages with other straight people. So I just thought, this is how all other straight couples are. Um, so it wasn't until I was way older, like 32, 33, 34, when Alicia and I, um, when I developed feelings for Alicia and then realized, oh my gosh, I'm gay. And this explains so much in my previous straight life. Um, and that whole coming, so she had her coming out phase at a different time than I did. And I will tell you for about two years, it was, um, it was excruciating. It was, the, you know, it was painful and, and heartbroken. And it was, and it was because of this, yes, we're talking this, about. this is the only yes. thing that caused my spirit to be crushed was this reckoning mm -hmm. of how could I be gay? And also, you know, I knew what the truth was. I'd been, it's been ingrained in me. And so there was a, and so then I'm coming out, I'm in this amazing relationship. It feels completely like this is what God intended for us to be as partners with each other. And everything I knew in the whole world to be true, all of a sudden just did not make sense. And so um, I think that it was the only reason I am where I am in my faith journey now is because everything that I had been taught and everything that had been ingrained in me had to break apart and then I had to reform it into my very own. So that whole, like what was happening on the inside is people were, you know, kind of treating you on the outside. I was not involved in any kind of church organized church You're during outside. that time at all. I still had my friends um, and my family and it was like a mixed bag of tricks. Some of my family was like, Okay, you do you. We love you, whatever. And some of my family and friends just couldn't get with it. Like they couldn't, they, it was the whole like, okay, fine that you're gay, but you can't like be gay with, with her. Um, and it just was this whole like, all of a sudden I was a totally different person to some people. I was disgusting. How could I? Who was I? So, and, and that was not within an organized religion, but again, these friends and family are part of this religion that I have this identity with. So um, uh, it was was very painful. And also there were lots of people who I was surprised would say, yay, great. We're so glad you're happy. So it was kind of a, a roller coaster yeah. of two years. And you feel like that was it? Did you have it on your side, Alicia, where it was pretty like it just you were kind of accepted maybe by your family, your friends or or was it like you had to just disconnect for a while? You know, um, I was loved. And so that was what was the most important thing. Um, and so my parents were definitely one of those, you know, like old school Christian Southern couples that were like we love you and you're our child and we want you to be happy and just so you know god's word also says x y and z you know and so it's like okay it, it really wasn't until actually i i met Catherine and, and we um started getting close and started dating that my parents were a little bit more like okay so this person is really good for you and you're happier than you've ever been. And so we're going to accept her into the family and we're going to love her up until her. There was not really any relationship that I had had. That was anything more than we love you. And one day you're going to meet the right man. You know, um, whenever she and I were, were dating, it was, it was quite different. And so now today, I think where my parents stand, and I, I keep referencing them because they are definitely my biggest support, you know, in my life. So where they stand is kind of, we love you, we love her, and we don't agree that 
that you're gay, like we don't agree with, this is the right thing for your life, but we love and accept her as part of our family. So it's a little incongruent, but yeah. they yeah. accept her and they absolutely love our children, which is the most important thing. Um, yeah. yeah, there's been a lot of people that- We didn't get there just all peachy keen no, though. It's you know, it's been a little- It's been a long road. Everything we're saying, there's been like- I can tell you that growing up in the church, there were um, a lot of adults in my life that I was super close to, a lot of mentors that I had, you know, and with the exception of maybe two of them, every one of them have walked away from, from me and being part of my life. Um, even to the point, like for some of them, like blocking me on social media and things like that, it's like ah, totally unnecessary and incredibly hurtful and painful. Um, so there was definitely not a road of acceptance for me. It also wasn't an option. There, it was not, you know, a choice for me. And so, um, you, you can't choose who you fall in love with. And it was, I had made peace with God and his love for me and my relationship with him. And that's been something that has never wavered in my life. And so was kind of one of those things of I know who God is and I know who I am to him and he's going to bring the right person in, in my life so it didn't really matter along the way yeah so it sounds like both of you guys really were able to maintain your faith throughout the whole journey uh you know maybe some deconstructing and reconstructing and reimagining, but for the most part, you're able to hold on to your faith. Do you feel like that in that process then, or even now that there were ever really any doubts about God uh, or doubting your, maybe doubting who you were, maybe even doubting that you were loved by him in the midst of that, or was it that stayed solid the whole way? And maybe what I'm saying more is in reference to how, maybe other people in your church or Christians as a whole or family that call themselves Christians treated you in that moment that maybe caused you to doubt. Okay. Does God love me? Like anything like that. So I, I have a very, one of my just like spiritual gifts is just like faith. Just given since I was an infant, like it just has nothing has ever shaken it. So I never once, Never doubted that God existed. God knew me. God lived. God loved me. I never doubted any of those things. What I, what I started to question for those two years was how could I be this way and be in relationship? How could I be both things? How could I be gay and also still a child of God and loved by him? I knew he loved me. I knew he existed. I knew, I knew um, that, that um, he was real and all of those things. So I never doubted did he exist, but my doubts came in having to um, really hold all that I had been taught my whole life, that gay was a choice, gay is a sin, how you are in being gay is wrong. And so that's what I doubted. Like, how can I be this way? It was me that I was doubting. Like, what, you know, why are you this way? Why, why are you wrong? What's wrong with you? Um, so it was never him. It was just me that was the, like the thing the the thing I had to really that I started questioning was me. Yeah, that's very different for me. So it was. <laughs> you know, faith is not my strong suit. It I am absolutely mm-hmm. doubting Thomas and question God at every turn. Um for me I think that it was also a little bit different because my journey started so much younger. And so whenever we are youth or young adults in the church, it is such an important part to have those like adults in our lives that are influential, you know, over us. And 
I mean, it, it is like those, those spiritual leaders over us. They, for a lot of kids, can, can make or break things, you know? And so I doubted everything. I questioned God. I, I never doubted, you know, does he exist? But I definitely doubted, does he love me? What's wrong with me? Um, what's broken inside of me? You know, why am I not normal, right? And so um, there was a lot of self-hate. There was a lot of turmoil, you know, for a very long time. And a lot of, you know, having to sort it out just between me and God and on my knees. And, you know. Kind of blaming him too, though, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, if if you are everything and and you're all-knowing and you can do everything, then why did you screw up with me? You know, what, what happened? And so I, my road has been a lot harder. And um, I mean, even just in the LGBT, you know, population, this this is hard for, for kids and young adults. I mean, we're talking about the rates of like suicide and, you know, self-injury and self-hate is triple with kids in the church you know, that are on this path because of just the internal shame that is built in, you know? And so I, that was my road and it was incredibly hard and it has taken me a lot of prayer and, you know, a long time with God to get to where I am today with it. So. Do you still feel like there's still like those lingering doubts kind of in the back of your mind? Like, does no, he love not, you or is that, do you feel like that's all been kind of reconciled? Anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it definitely was not through the help of people in the church, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, I had a really strong foundation of praise and worship. I was part of a really amazing praise and worship team um, at one point in my life. And music is a passion of mine. So honestly, where I kind of made peace with God was in that, you know, worship with him and, and things. So it definitely has unfortunately not been from the help of other believers, you know, but I, I'm not in the place that I used to be than I once was. And, and my experience is different. Um, so in the LDS culture, um, everything is very standardized and the messages are all the same um, from whether you're in America or whether you're in Africa, like everything is very consistent and standardized. And on, so for for me, that's kind of easy because I can filter out what messages I want to keep and what messages I want to kind of discard. So, um, and a good majority of my social media people are members of the LDS church. And so it's real easy for me to just like unfollow people who post things that don't align up with what I now know to be true. And over the course of the last eight years, I really have whether it's real or not, it's my social media. I have created this social media safety zone where uh, everyone on it that I follow um, supports me as a gay person and my wife. Even if they don't agree, they support or they support the LGBT uh, community um, and also, or they are no longer active in the LDS church and therefore support me because it's not an issue. So my world now only consists of interactions with people who can see me, who can validate me, who can love me. And also this part of me who can't, who don't separate this part of me. And I'm not saying just Felicia, but what this represents. So Um, And most of my support comes from people who are active in the LDS church um, still, and they're doing a very beautiful and graceful job of loving me and accepting this part of me and embracing it and allowing me to be in the religion the way that I need to be in it. So I'm having a a much different um, experience, but only because I'm not physically going to a church. And I'm not, phys- I'm not engaging in any kind of like just free 
having magazines sent to my house or listening to like a general conference where I can't filter out what the messages are. I'm very protected or protective and guarded about what it news, what comes in because, you know, it's hard to unindoctrinate yourself. Um, And so I just, I make sure that I don't be, I'm not bombarded by any of that negativity. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. It's, you know, I've been in the process of having to unlearn so much of the God I inherited that I don't find represented by Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, The things I was taught that don't look like Jesus, but Jesus says that he is the exact picture of his father. So Mm -hmm. then if it doesn't look like Jesus, then something else is going on in the story. And so I've had to go on my own journey to begin to unlearn some of that. Um, And at least this may be more of a question for you because it happened, you know, your whole process was a lot younger, but do you think that life would have looked different if at that critical juncture, you had a leader in your life that was just full of Jesus is always inclusive and always good love. Like would that, what difference would that have made? Obviously you would have still been where you're at. I can tell you 100% it would have made a huge difference. I went down a path with my mental health, you know, just again, self-hate, depression, questioning, like, am I even worthy of God's love and, and being here that we could have skipped, you know? And so, I mean, there was definitely a really, really dark period. I mean, years of my life that um, had I had that support and that the truth behind, you know, what God's love really is, looks like, feels like, yeah, it would have changed everything in my young adult life, you know? And then, so I... Like we referenced before we really started, I really read what you wrote a year ago, Catherine, and really loved your perspective and a lot of wisdom. And um, if you're okay with it, I may just link to link it in the show notes so that people can see it in full context. Uh, And so, but I would love to hear your answer to this question. And I just sprang this on you. You know, I sent all the other questions before the call, but I sprang this one on you last minute. Um, and I want to quote just kind of that part of what you posted in your post is do remember that accepting that they are gay is not the same as agreeing with them being gay. And I know uh, that's that's a huge step. I think if people can just accept people and love them to not, you know, have to agree with them. I know I've had people in my life say things like, well, how do I, you know, love the person and hate the sin? And my ideal on that is you've already lost because you, you want to make sure they understand that you're not in agreement. You've already missed the mark of love. Mm -hmm. Um, But there, you know, I've come across a lot of people that, say no I'm always accepting but it's my acceptance is somewhat conditional on you coming out of what I deem to be sin what would you say to because I think that's already a beautiful point of uh, accepting doesn't mean agreeing but what about that little nuance there of accepting if you're willing to change at some point you're going to have to to change So I would challenge whoever would say that to me as, well, that's not acceptance. It's tolerating. Yeah. It's tolerance. And Mm -hmm. so people don't want to be tolerated. They want to be accepted and embraced. So I would one want to bring to to their attention that that's not actually what, what Jesus asked us to do. You know, he didn't say tolerate the least of these. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and then number two, I would say, are you doing that for all of the sinners in your life? Are you, are you only tolerating them on the condition that they will come out of all of their sins? And if you're not able to do that, 
well, then if you're not holding that standard to all sinners in your life, which I mean, clearly this is an impossible thing to do. So it just kind of is like my best motivational interviewing skills. Um, then however you're treating your other sinners in your life, feel free to treat me the same, you know? And then the third thing that I would say is that we might have to just come to an understanding that we disagree about gay being a sin. I equate being gay to my color and to my gender. And only because I am in agreement with my gender. So recognize that I believe that you might not be in agreement with your gender. So therefore this doesn't apply, but I I equate being gay to my color um, and to being female. Those were not choices I got to make. They just are. And so if you can separate it from being a choice, this is where that, this is where the crux is. I think for most Christians, those who can get it and those who can't, those Christians who can just accept that this is not my choice are able to see past this sin. If they can accept that this is just a part of who I am and God's going to figure it all out later, they're a lot easier. They're a lot more willing to embrace me, embrace Alicia. It's just not a thing because it's like, oh, okay. So you're gay, brown, and girl. Great. Come on in. Um, So I think I would kind of challenge that thinking in that's not accepting it when you want to leave the gay at the door. I couldn't leave my gay at the door any more than I can leave my brown at the door. Um, So you know, and it does kind of take you back to the 60s where, you know, we we allowed you to come in, but you can't bring your color in. Right. Or and and there was we've learned from that that that's impossible. Like you cannot separate those things and you can't demonize things that that these people can't choose. So um, and that becomes the biggest battle with, I think, the gay world, all the gay world. And, and the divide in the Christian realm is those who can see it as a choice or those who can't wait, what am I saying? Those who see it as a choice and those who just kind of accept that it's not, and maybe they don't understand it and they're just going to let God figure it out in the end. That's kind of where the divide is. Um, So I think that's what I would say is that just because you are allowing them to be in your home, just because you acknowledge the language of this is my wife, just because you celebrate with us our child's birthday does not at all mean you have told God that gay is right. And we've had this conversation with several close family members that, that we've had to really get, if we're going to have great relationships, we have to be authentic. And sometimes that means saying the hard things and these people we love and respect and they love and respect us. And we still had to say to them, you don't need to tell me that you don't believe gay is right. God knows your heart. You've told it to God. Don't say that anymore to me. It is hurtful and unnecessary. So it's, you know, you don't, it's one of those things where they have to figure out how to be with us and not just categorize us as one big gay sexual sin. Yeah, I think that's a lot of wisdom and uh, really great. Um, you know, it's really not. Well, it might be hard for some people, but it really isn't that hard when when you have faith in God. If you trust all of this to God and you just let him figure it out, it really doesn't even be. From your business. And whenever you allow people to have their own personal relationship and walk with God. Yes. It's like, you know, especially I'm coming to you. I'm telling you, like, I, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm here. I'm here with you. Let my relationship with God be mine. Mm-hmm. You know, like you do you. Yeah. This is my new favorite mantra. Um, you do you mm-hmm. and I'm going to do me. And then we're just going to kind of do this thing together. However, that makes right. both of us feel safe. And I don't mean it's none of your business in like a rude way, but like in a way of m- m- your love for you loving me is your business. 
that's what God told you to do was to love me and to, you know, make sure that you were taking care of your fellow people, but you waiting for me to work my way out of this thing, you know, that's God's business. business. And if you're not doing that for all the other sinners in your life and Mm -hmm. you're, you're not, because that's not what you can do. um, Then, then you don't need to do that for us either. And it, it really is that thing of you, you can, you're only categorizing gay by the sexual behavior. You're just making it perverted. And yeah. you yeah. being gay is, <laughs> this is a real relationship. We fight, we, we, we cuddle, we problem solve, we goal plan, we mm-hmm. laugh, we cry. It, it's, it's all the things that you enjoy about being with your partner and your love of your life. It's, it's so all of those really rich human experiences, human experiences, right? We, you know, there is nothing really different other than she's a girl. I'm a girl. That's like, I mean, there are differences in the relationships, but really and truly we're just married and it's fine. And it's, not a big deal. We're not going to suck you in. This is the other thing that I think some people get really scared about is, you know, um, maybe there being an influence of us turning someone else gay. And and I'm just going to say that that's not how this works. This is by far not a choice. And I, it's, it's just, you are gay or you're not gay. Like that just kind of is. And sometimes you don't know until later in life. So if you're worried, like, you know, sometimes people think that if you're too close to sin, it can like influence you or something. That's not how this works. We, we, we can't turn you gay or influence you to be gay. You, you just are or you're not. So I think that might also maybe play a small part of why people are hesitant to embrace the gays. I'm not sure. Yeah. And let's say that you're wrong to be married. Okay. Mm-hmm. At best, at best, you're going to be married. What? 60 years. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, maybe, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe medical science takes us out sure. further, you know, 60 years. And then you're going to be married to him for eternity. Which one's the bigger deal? Right. Right. Exactly. 60 yeah. years or mm-hmm. eternity. So even if, right. Right. so I love that part. I said that because you said like, Let's just accept people and love people and let God figure it out in the end. Yes. Like, yeah. If you get, I like, I don't think you're going to have an issue if you get to heaven. And he's like, uh, that wasn't my best for you, but I love you. Come on in. You're going to be right. like, oh, yeah. But, mm-hmm. but I still enjoyed life and did the best I could and loved yeah. you and loved others. And, yeah, exactly. And so, and I think that's, we're going to be married to him for eternity. Like, who I'm married to now on this earth is important to me now, but in the grand scheme of eternity, it's, it's nothing. Right. Right. So So true. And we shouldn't, it is nothing, but our time on earth really is so short that we shouldn't allow something like this to sever those relationships. And, you know, I don't know about the rest of the Christian world, but I do know, I called it the gay Mormon crisis because it's true. It is at a crisis level. It is a a horrible pandemic within the Mormon religion that so many youth and young adults are losing their lives because in the Mormon world, we're not just here for now. We are married for eternity to our person in the temple when that happens and all the family is sealed as well. And, you know, it's just like a big thing. And so when a, when a child of a family that was sealed comes out as gay. It It's as if they died because they will not spend eternity with you. And there is this grieving that happens and this lot, lots of times the families just can't deal with it. And so there's either this complete separation and severance or the, the youth, you know, feels like there's literally no reason to live because I'm not going to have them now. And I'm not going to have them later. And so as you're saying, does this matter compared to eternity? No, but this time does matter when it comes to us connecting and being in relationship with other human beings. And 
it really just takes one person to be able to accept you to keep you here on this earth. Like you just need one person who loves you and sees you and validates you to not, to help you not kill yourself. I'm not saying that's the total like uh, antidote, but it, it definitely helps. So, you know, we're, we really are in a, and it's not just in the Mormon world. Yeah, maybe that's true even, too. Even in, you know, the way that I was, I was raised, it, you still, there's a separation. I will spend eternity in hell away from mm. God and his love for being gay. And so we see this crisis in, in the Mormon church, again, in the you know, God, non-denominational. It's, it is a crisis with kids and, and young adults being gay. Okay, awesome. So uh, I think some of the questions I want to ask, because it's, I think, maybe more tailored to people that have left their faith, like what does religion and Christianity mean or or love mean? I think you guys have probably indirectly already answered a, a lot of that. But what what would you say is something in general that Christians seem to misunderstand about the LGBTQ plus people is it that it's not a choice uh or what would you say is the number one thing that they most misunderstand or misrepresent about who you are i think there's a couple that kind of come to mind yeah i I think that for me the number one is that it's a choice it is not a choice you don't get to choose who you fall in love with now i think that at any point this is true for same-sex or heterosexual couples. You can choose whether or not you want to stay in that relationship and move forward, but you don't get to choose who you love. And I think that that is a huge misconception um, in the church as a whole. I would agree. That I feel like that's first and foremost number one. Mm-hmm. The second thing that I think is kind of misunderstood is, you know, that all being gay is a sex. And, and so I think we hit on that, but the, one of the first kind of comments that people make when they are anti-gay or really opposed is how disgusting that is. That's mm-hmm. disgusting. Um, and immediately when I hear that, I, I know that your brain only can see this as a sexual image. Like you're unable to separate that it's an identity, a part of my identity versus like a verb or an action. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's not that it's, it's, so, it's all of this. And so the only thing that is disgusting to people is the image of the, whatever sexual thing is happening, kissing, holding hands, even it becomes disgusting. Um, and so I think that's the other like misunderstanding or misrepresentation or whatever it was, yeah, is that it it must just be nothing but physical contact. Right. And that just like every other straight couple, <laughs> like however, well, whatever that is. And um, I think that that becomes like the, the big kind of thing that makes their skin crawl um, is this, the images that they pull up in their own mind about what they think being gay or transgender or whatever is. Right. Um, narrowing it down to just the physical component. Yeah. So if you could say anything to the Christian community, the church community that maybe you don't feel as welcome in, um, at least in, in our local area, because I know we're, we're both in Pensacola, um, that it's from either from you or just like, I know that, you know, like I don't speak for all Christians, so I can't ask you to speak for the whole LGBTQ community, but just from your friends and people that are in your community that maybe have shared some similar struggles or similar ideals, like what, what would you just say to the Christian community that you haven't already said? Like if somebody's giving you a voice and a platform to just speak directly to the Christian community, what would you say? So I made this as a joke one time, a little bit, a few weeks ago on someone's Facebook page, but I I have thought about it seriously since then because it makes sense to me. And if I had only one thing to say to the Christian world, 
it would be make a gay section in your congregation. Just put like a little rainbow. And, and here's what I'm saying. That way allies and gay people can sit there. It doesn't mean that the other people are anti-gay. It just maybe means like they're not super comfortable like touching shoulders and like being in my space. They don't know a lot about it. It scares them. They think it's disgusting. It could be a, a, a whole range of who doesn't sit there. But I honestly would like there just to be a couple pews where it is a gay state. I know it sounds so funny, but it really does like make me feel like, oh, even if me and Alicia were the only ones there, do you know what that says about that church? That there is a recognition that you all need your own safe space, that, that we recognize that you are a member of our congregation. You are a part of our family and that on some mm. level, We've tailored what we say to make sure you feel inclusive. So it sounds funny and no one's going to do it, but I wish there was like a gay LGBT section where the allies could sit and the gay people. That's what I would say. Yeah. There actually is a church that has something similar. Uh, it's a, so it's not as a necessarily a, like it's sectioned off on their Sunday church. Uh, but they have a special group and it's called sacred space and it's a safe place for people in the LGBTQ community to come in, to grow in discipleship, to feel loved and welcomed in the church. Um, and, and the church says like, we don't believe that this was God's ideal, but we don't, we're not trying to throw out terms of like, you're in sin because that carries kind of its own connotation of mm-hmm. what that word. And he, their thing is like, we believe you're missing the mark of God's ideal the same way that, uh, and I've heard the senior pastor say like the same way that I've missed God's ideal every single day. So we want to give, create a sacred space for you to come in and feel safe. Uh, so I do know it's out there. What uh, church is that? Oh, well, you, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah, it's in Minnesota. I can't. Th- I oh. think it's in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh, oh man! Well, shout out to them. That's awesome. Yeah, I would love to see more more of that yeah. happen. And they have. It is a huge and thriving community. And so that tells me one thing: that even though they're saying that we don't believe this is God's ideal, but people are still showing up and it's growing tells me that there must be a lot of love there Uh, let us in we need in we need to come in we need it just as much as everyone else and i like that they're not straying from their message but they're also equating the sin your sin is no greater than my sin versus here i stand in judgment of your way big sin so that i can sit in a congregation where okay so they're calling gay a sin guess what i have other sins being gay yeah. isn't one of them, but if they want to say that, that's fine. I've got all kinds of other sins. And as long as you play, play them equal, I feel like I could sit in that space and it not feel like I'm being attacked. Right. I don't, I don't know if that's true, but it feels like that might be a possibility. What, yeah. what would you say? Sorry. What would I say to Christians? If you only had mm-hmm. one, I only had opportunity. one opportunity. I think what I would probably say would be that first and foremost, God's love is inclusive, period, without question. His love is inclusive. Um, And I think that I would raise the question, what is more important to him, my love or your judgment of my love? You know? And so I think that if people could look at it in that perspective, um, things would be a lot easier for LGBT youth, LGBT families, you know, coming into the church and wanting to be a part of your church family. Yeah. I mean, it's great. um, If a person who calls themselves um, a believer and they're not familiar with the LGBTQ community, what are, are there certain questions they could at, begin to ask to better 
understand. Like, so maybe somebody that's going on a journey that's like, I don't understand the community. I'm still wrestling with whether, whether I fall on whether it's wrong or not, but I just want to love and I want to understand more. Are there questions or things that they could ask that would, that you could give them, you know, maybe get them a few steps further down the road than they are now? Yes. So the first thing I would say to anyone who had an inquiring mind would be, let's get some really um, safe vocabulary, Mm -hmm. some very basic vocabulary. It's a world and a community that you're not familiar with. And language is so powerful. So Mm -hmm. if we're going to have just like a basic vocabulary, let's remove lifestyle out of the vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is not a gay lifestyle. It's just a gay life. Um, so I would highly recommend you not call it, you know, like a lifestyle choice or choice. Um, the other thing that I would say is be, and, and I think if you put that link into the thing that I wrote, there's some examples and stuff in there about how don't say this, but do say this, but be genuinely curious about what vocabulary works for them so you know there is the language is different for everybody it really is how do I want to be identified how do you not want to be identified so if you want to have a relationship with this person one of the first things we say to someone when we meet them is what's your name Mm -hmm. what can I call you (laughs) and we should be meeting them so like you know how do you identify guess what I'm brand new to like the LGBT community I'm completely ignorant I don't know what all the right words are can you please help me understand what are some words that work for you and what are some that are offensive Mm -hmm. if you're just with a really open heart I mean if that I feel like anyone anyone in the LGBT community would be really excited to hear someone say what works for you and what doesn't you know, the other thing is being just authentic. Like I'm really struggling with this. And I know that you're struggling with this. Um, you're struggling with my struggle. So how am I doing here in this walk with you? Am I being supportive? Have I done something that's been hurtful? Am I not using the right words? Um, just being open to that feedback because this is not easy. This just, it's not easy for the gay person. It is not easy for the, the straight person. I'm just assuming they're straight, but it's just, if you're not, if you're not willing to have safe conversations that will be painful, but move towards growth, then don't engage in that. Like if you're not willing to put your pride down and open your heart to hear what they have to say about their painful struggle, then, then you know, you're not in a, a place in your life where you can walk alongside them in this journey. Right. And just being open to maybe perhaps the way that you have been taught and raised or whatever is not as close to Jesus as, you know, as, as really you should be or, or what he would be, you know, asking or what would Jesus be saying? How would he be communicating with, with you as a person versus you know, you as a gay person. So I think just that willingness to, like you said, be genuine and authentic. And I am a firm believer that you can pretty much ask anyone or say anything to anybody as long as your heart is in the right mm-hmm. place. So if you are coming with an, an open heart and open mind and genuinely curious, yeah, so like any question is a valuable one. But you know. it, it is better to ask than to just, not like just to leave that as a closed area because it really could have been a really awesome missed opportunity. And, you know, there are times where people will refer to Alicia as my partner and depending on my relationship with them, I might correct them and I might not believe it or not. I think the LGBT community as a whole is very forgiving. We we live in a, we live in a not, LGBT privileged world so we have to be forgiving whether we choose to or not mm-hmm. and and so I think that it, it's the fact that you're acknowledging that this is going to be a hard ship and let's do it together is speaks 
volumes. Like, don't just treat me like I'm like everyone else because I'm really my uniqueness here. This struggle is, and the struggle is us figuring out how to walk this way together. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it, it can't just be equated to everything else. Yeah. That's great. Are there anything that questions that maybe that I didn't ask that would be great questions to ask for something like this, or just things that maybe you want to mention that I didn't directly ask? Hmm. I can't think of anything. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I feel like you gave us a lot of space, and that yeah. we are so you know, honored and so appreciative of that. Yeah. So I'm just grateful that you guys had the conversation. I feel like even just both of you guys' jobs allow you to have a lot of wisdom and insight to um, the areas of mental health and how our words as people, especially align ourselves with the teachings of Jesus. Like our words are so powerful and we should be using them to love not not to judge um and so i i'm just very grateful that you guys are willing to to i will add this um brian and that is in thinking about being a part of the church community and wanting to reach out to the lgbt to invite them in i will say this at least from my personal perspective we are terrified to come in Mm -hmm. so Mm um it would you know the the privilege and the safety belongs to you. And so that's your home. That's where you feel comfortable. That's where you know all the people. And, and I'm not saying that just because you're the pastor, but I'm saying like any member of your congregation that isn't gay already has this complete and total acceptance of this belongs to me. And, and my personal experience would be, I don't know, am I allowed to go in there? What's that reception going to be like? It's already really like um, vulnerable for me to acknowledge I'm a, for me to bring my wife into a place that, I, you know, statistically speaking, about 98% chance that mm-hmm. I'm going to get some kind of pushback. Yeah. So in, in helping churches be more um, accepting to, or inviting, I'm not even saying accepting, inviting and welcoming to the gay folks, it, you know, um, just, remembering that you reaching, you know, like you introducing yourself to them or you, you know, seeking them out when you, when they're new, um, I think would speak volumes. It's at least says, I see you and the girl, I see Mm -hmm. you two girls together and I'm not afraid and I'm going to come find you and seek you out and hold you. And I mean, not like physically, but you know, like bring you in. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, you know, that, um, that might be just something to, to keep in mind if yeah. you see that. You're offering such an amazing Man, I'm telling thing. you, so hopeful. You're really saving yeah. lives. I'm just going to let you know. Thank right. you for I doing that. I think you realize. Yeah. yeah. You really are. People need this. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm, I want to see people in the LGBT community realize that, no, somebody actually is willing to just love me Yeah. as I am with not trying to change me. But I think maybe my aim is more to Christians who are not operating the same way, that if they could wake up and learn to love, then we can start affecting, you know, a whole community and not not just a few. I can Um, tell you that from the LGBT side, I think... For some of them, I'm getting a little choked up now, but you will be the first voice that they ever hear from this perspective. So I think it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really, I really do believe that this is a mission that the Lord has called me and my wife to. And uh, just to be, because, and I'll just be completely transparent. Like a year ago, if you would have told me this, I would have said, there's no way in hell I would ever do that. Not because I was against people in your community, but that I had so bit down on this church, maybe church lie. Yeah. But ultimately yeah. I think it's a lie from Satan of just, well, no, I love them, but I don't 
I don't like the agenda being pushed down my throat or my kid's right. throat. And that's yeah. where I was at a year ago. Yeah. Uh, and then the Lord just broke my heart and just like, why, why do you think you're better? And I'm like, you're right. I'm not like, I'm grateful that you are answering him yeah. and being authentic, yeah. and genuine and being willing to be used by him because this is a message that the world needs to hear. And this is a message that our community needs to hear that we are loved, accepted, and there are people on the other side that see us. Yeah. yeah. Thank I'm, you. I'm sorry that you've been treated the way you have. It's not, it's definitely not uh, biblical. I can tell it you that. It definitely doesn't look like Jesus. Before, before you reached out to me, Travis was, you know, Travis had sent me a message and, and said, you know, hey, my, I got a friend. You might remember him, wants to connect with you, and this is why. And, you know, it, it really sucks, but also I'm grateful for him in my life. But he honestly is the first Christian that, you know, outside of you that I feel like has ever seen and accepted who I am as a human versus Alicia being gay, you know. And um, so as soon as, as I got that message from him, I was like, dude, yeah, like, whatever, because he genuinely was the first Christian that I ever had encountered that there was no judgment. It was just like, you know, hey, I see you. And whenever I was working with him, I would tell Catherine all the time, oh, I love just being around him and being with him because it's like just comfortable and normal, you know? And so it's amazing to see, you know, like another person that is here and doesn't judge our community and legitimately has love and is passionate about this. 